I'd like to welcome you all to this uh, fourth edition of the conference, Social Innovation for Refugee Inclusion. Over the past five years, the conference has established itself as way more than just a place to showcase new projects and solutions. From the beginning, it was very much meant as a safe space for peer learning and new connections. A space where different players, think about social entrepreneurs, um, civil society organizations, migrant associations, researchers, public officials, and business representatives could critically discuss what social innovation for inclusion looks like, how to sustain it, and the role it can play, particularly in our diverse societies of Europe and North America. We're very excited to open this conference after a prolonged uh, planning process that, as for many other events, was very much affected by all the uncertainties related to the COVID-19 pandemic. So as a result, this is the conference first virtual edition, but trust me, we would have loved to have welcomed you all in person. But a virtual event also brings along uh, great opportunities. So uh, we have participants and speakers joining us from many different regions of the world and who we very much welcome. We also encourage you all to make use of the interactive features provided by the platform, um, for example, to network or exchange with follow uh, participants to recreate as much as possible the wonderful encounters and conversations that normally uh, and in previous editions uh, contributed to really shaping a kind of community of practice as a result of these uh, encounters. Um, the medium and the format are not the only ways in which the Siri conference has adapted to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, over the past year and a half, we have witnessed how the pandemic jeopardized the safety, livelihoods and inclusion of many members of our communities, especially the most vulnerable ones. And yet, at the same time, we have also witnessed exceptional solidarity and vital experimentation. The crisis has sharpened our awareness for the fault lines of inequality within our diverse societies, releasing new creativity and pragmatism to tackle these challenges. And yes, the conference title gives it away. This year, we will focus on how innovation can be sown in the cracks of crisis. Together with our fantastic speakers, who we sincerely thank already now for their time and willingness to share their insight, we will be looking at how the landscape of migrant and refugee inclusion can emerge strengthened from this crisis. And we'll also ask how innovations can thrive beyond metropolitan hubs to reach underserved places and highly vulnerable groups where challenges are often tougher, but also returns are greater. Um, and I would like to really thank the team behind this conference. Um, we have the US mission to the EU as the main sponsor of this conference, particularly Michelle Lee, Jamie Martin and Brian Street. We have the mission of Canada to the EU, uh, where we particularly like to thank Mary Coulter and Antonio Petropoli. The European Economic and Social Committee, a particular thanks to Trin Asma and Cinzia Secchi. And of course, my colleagues at MPI Europe, particularly Katarina Sisch, uh, Liam Patuzzi, Lucia Salgado, Andras Alfoldi, Lisa Dixon, and Kaja Joe. And I would also like to thank our colleagues at Ashoka Hello Europe, Kenny Kluwet and Laura Batala Adam for their kind and precious uh, suggestions in the course of preparing this conference. 
And if we forgot someone, uh, apologies on our side. Let me just conclude with one more note. Uh, the past few months have been yet another, another powerful reminder of the importance of investing in a strong ecosystem for refugee and migrant inclusion. An ecosystem that is, for one, highly flexible and responsive to be able to react to urgent humanitarian crises, such as, for example, the recent one in Afghanistan, providing early assistance and ongoing support to those displaced. And yet at the same time, we need an ecosystem that is long-sighted and sustainable. For example, as we become more aware of the impact climate change is likely to have on human ability in the next few decades. And last but not least, we need this ecosystem to be genuinely inclusive. Social innovation is not just about supporting the vulnerable. Crucially, it's also about mobilizing the resources of our diverse societies for their own recovery and future prosperity. I'd like to wish you all a very interesting, stimulating and successful uh, conference. And I'll now give the floor to Brian Street, who's uh, the Humanitarian and Migration Affairs Officer at the United States Mission to the European Union. Brian, the floor is yours. Thank you, honey, and good afternoon or morning or evening to you all, wherever you're located. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us today. Um, my name is Brian Street, and I'm proud to be the Refugee and Migration Advisor at the US Mission to the EU in Brussels. It's a privilege to be part of this event. I'd like to extend our sincere thanks to the great team at MPI who are celebrating, uh, as Hannah said, the fourth anniversary of the Social Innovation for Refugee Inclusion Conference uh, this year. And on behalf of the mission, I'd also like to thank the Migration Policy Institute Europe, the European Economic and Social Committee, and our friends at the Mission of Canada to the EU and Mary. Um, and thank you as well to Paul for joining us today and to all the speakers and presenters who will be leading these amazing discussions. Um, th this conference is tackling a broad range of issues and they're all becoming more and more relevant each day. And your conversations today and tomorrow will likely serve as catalysts that challenge us to think differently and to innovate locally. One of the biggest truest cliches that we all encounter every day is the idea that COVID-19 has changed everything. From the food we eat and where we eat it, um, to our travel or lack thereof, our social lives or lack thereof, uh, to education, healthcare, and the services we can provide to those most in need. But crisis can also push us to our limits in ways we've never expected. My father used to tell me not to be afraid of times that challenge us because they make us different people tomorrow than we are today. And the longer I work in the humanitarian world, the more I believe this to be true. Crisis motivates creativity. It creates new paradigms that force change. It provides new perspectives that alter long-held beliefs. And it creates a platform to do things we've never considered possible. Spurred by compassion, humanity, or just plain logistics, we as humanitarians and as humans are the most successful when facing the most complex of challenges. You're all here because you're searching for new ideas, for new solutions to age-old problems, you're all building a dialogue that will inform leaders and policymakers. You're creating a space for information sharing and galvanizing communities to innovate and adapt in the service of refugee populations. And in that space, you're not alone. Just last week, Secretary of State Blinken announced an innovative public-private partnership between the Department of State and Welcome.us, an initiative of more than 250 NGOs, businesses, and leaders of diverse faiths and politics focused on harnessing private sector support for arriving Afghans and harnessing the immense goodwill of the American people. This is something that's never been done before. Welcome.us engages a range of private sector actors, including companies, nonprofits, resettlement agencies, sponsorship groups, uh, military veterans, governors, mayors, and many others. This initiative was a response to a crisis. 
and it was developed to address great need. And it is proof positive that good things can emerge from difficult times. More challenges remain ahead and they'll demand our resiliency and our resourcefulness. But we know that all of you will join us in being guided by the relief that refugees deserve our compassion, our care and our hard work. Today and tomorrow, you'll discuss critical themes of inclusion, community and support and innovation, all with the whole goal of helping refugee populations find happiness and success in their new lives. We support these efforts and thank you sincerely for your work to create more inclusive, dynamic communities. And we're proud to say that we're being able to do our part this year to protect the most vulnerable. As President Biden has said, the United States Refugees, Refugee Admissions Program embodies America's commitment to protect the most vulnerable and to stand as a beacon of liberty and refuge to the world. It's a statement about who we are and who we want to be. This year, the president has set the refugee admissions ceiling to 125,000, a number not seen in decades. There's no doubt this will be a challenge. COVID-19 continues to affect operations around the world, and our program has suffered from atrophy over the last four years. But we've already restarted, we've already started rebuilding the infrastructure of the program and we'll continue our close partnership with domestic resettlement partners while launching new innovative initiatives like community and private sponsorship, novel new approaches that will supplement our current programs and are a result of constantly looking for ways like all of you to innovate in the face of crisis. Thank you for all your time and effort today and best of luck in this important world work around the world wherever you are. Thank you very much, Brian. Um, and now I would like to hand over to uh, Mary Coulter. She is the Councillor on Migration at the Mission of Canada to the EU. Mary, the floor is yours. Je tiens à remercier des partenaires, organisateurs et les collègues, sans qui la conférence de cette année sur l'innovation sociale de l'inclusion des réfugiés n'aurait pas été possible. The United States Mission to the European Union, the Economic, European Economic and Social Committee, and the Migration Policy Institute Europe. Many thanks for your partnership. I'd also like to gratefully acknowledge the many civil society, migrant-led, and business organizations who have connected from the US, from Europe, and from Canada to be with us today. The Social Innovation for Refugee Inclusion Conference, now in its fourth edition, is close to my heart. It was one of the first projects that I worked on after joining Canada's mission to the EU over four years ago. And many of the individuals I met then have continued to play an important role in my engagement on this topic. This year, the conference, now global, and with over 500 participants from all continents, offers that same opportunity to connect and to learn from new voices. Warmest welcome to all. COVID-19 disruption has touched everyone in this room, and we all know that fostering inclusive recovery and growth following COVID-19 disruption will not be without its challenges. Data shows, for example, that newcomers to Canada are more likely to have experienced the complex negative effects of COVID-19 than the Canadian-born population. A third of recent immigrants became unemployed between February and April 2020, eight percentage points above lost if posted by Canadian workers or born workers. Now more than ever, we need to think big and we need to think bold. If we want to prevent ongoing socioeconomic challenges from impacting longer term integration outcomes. Crucially, bold situation solutions must involve partnerships with migrants and refugees in the conceptualization, 
in the design, the development, and implementation of integration policies and programs. Successful integration of newcomers, including refugees, is a key priority for Canada. Our model of integration is premised on social inclusion and mutual adaptation by newcomers and societal actors, what we refer to as the two-way approach. Protected persons, as well as permanent residents, are eligible for settlement supports at no cost until they acquire Canadian citizenship. These services are delivered across Canada by over 500 service provider organizations, including those located abroad. These include immigrant-serving organizations, school boards, educational institutions, and other community-based organizations. As we face or continue to face a global pandemic, and at the same time, chart a course for recovery, we must be conscious of the impact that COVID-19 has had on women, especially migrant women. On average in 2020, the unemployment rate of working age newcomer women in Canada was more than double the rate among working age population born in Canada. A significant employment gap persists between recently arrived immigrant women and Canadian born in 2021. Canada is committed to applying an intersectional and inclusive lens to integration policy in line with its whole of government approach to gender-based analysis plus. GBA plus ensures that the impacts of policies and programs on diverse population groups is considered to address equity gaps. In concrete terms, Canada's budget 2021 announced funding of over 15 million Canadian for two years, starting in 21-22, to extend the racialized newcomer woman pilot and continue to support employment outcomes and career advancement for racialized newcomer women through the delivery of settlement services. I also want to take a few moments to speak about digital innovation, which, as we all know, is a defining trait of the pandemic's legacy. In the spring of 2019, we had a sudden transition to remote service delivery for most of our settlement services. This necessity provided a strong learning opportunity. And last fall, we surveyed our settlement network, settlement agencies to better understand what drawbacks and promising practices were identified in providing online and digital settlement services. We found, for example, that it's easier to serve some groups of clients online because transportation and scheduling were less of an obstacle in a digital program. Building on the findings of this survey and other sources of information, Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada will be looking even more closely over the coming months at best practices in digital service delivery that we may want to adopt in a more permanent way in the hopes of making settlement services even more client-focused and effective. Sans vouloir sous-estimer l'impact du COVID-19, cette crise nous a également rappelé notre propre résilience et celle de nos sociétés diversifiées, même face à une pandémie mondiale. Cette résilience s'est manifestée dans de nombreuses innovations qui seront partagées au cours de la conférence. As we engage in discussions over the next two days, let us put hope in the middle of our virtual table, hope that we can find inspiration in the experience of others, hope that we can be bold in our innovations, and hope that our efforts during and through this challenging period will result in a more inclusive society, critical for COVID-19 recovery we all want and need. Merci beaucoup.
Thank you very much, Mary, for those introductory words. Uh, I would like to now hand over to Paul Suter. He's the president of the Group on Immigration and Integration at the European Economic and Social Committee. Paul, the floor is yours. Thank you. It's an honor for me and for the European Economic and Social Committee to co-host this annual joint event on social innovation for refugee inclusion with the Migration Policy Institute, with the US and Canadian missions to the US. This is the fourth conference in this framework. Last year, last year we had to skip it. We hope next year we will be able to, to see us all around the table in physical presences um, and have interesting encounters, of course. Personally, I have the pleasure to chair actually the thematic study group of the committee uh, of the European Committee on Immigration Integration. You know, when I say I chair, then I must confess, like Anne knows, that all the work is done by Cynthia Sechi and by Trine Asma. Um, but I'm just there to, to chair and to, to, uh, to see that everything is, well goes smoothly. That this is a study group, a permanent study group, even if it's temporary, that exists since 2009. And it organizes something like three or four conferences and meetings every year. One of the mandates is to give concrete form to the, uh, to the committee's role as a bridge and facilitator between organized civil society and the EU institutions in the area of migration and integration. The overarching objective of the IMI group is to promote development of a common European immigration and integration policy what's not easy, of course, based on the principles of human and fundamental rights, solidarity, responsibility. With a strong involvement, and, and that's really uh, strong, of civil society. So the main scope is the policy actually on uh, EU and member states level. We also uh, contribute besides that in the annual meeting of the European Migration Forum the aim at close involvement of civil society organizations. During the last year with the committee, we have dedicated most of our attention to the new plan of the European Commission, the plan on migration and asylum. This is a pact. They presented this as a pact, even if it's not ready a pact, already a pact, um, as a holistic approach, and this holistic approach is appreciated, but there are quite some critics from the committee, uh, I must say. The main objections are that the current proposals are far too focused on the border controls and on stopping illegal, illegal migration while paying not enough attention to improving legal migration pathways. And concern we have already expressed also about the feasibility of the famous solidarity mechanism, which is described, we described it like that, a kind of solidarity a la carte. The fear was expressed that the burden on the countries of first entry will or would increase. And for the re realization of this plan, which was launched uh, last year, uh, well, like was said in the public report of the Commission uh, just a week ago, if there is good progress at technical level, the political agreement is still distant. 
you know all what that means. So last week, the committee issued a press statement recalling the need for a common European framework for migration management that is effective, focus on both external borders and legal migration pathways, and is in line with European values. The EU more than ever needs to strike the right balance between effective and realistic migration management. I'm reading the, the press uh, statement and I agree with that. With humanity, sustainability, security, and control of EU's external borders. And the belief that migration can be better managed collectively at European level. But today it's the moment to remember, I think, with this conference, that Europe finally is only the home country for no more than something like 5% migrants in their population, in the European population. And that the yearly flow of refugees is only a, a small fraction of that of the regular migration, because the 5% is also the regular included. So I'm sure that the EU can learn a lot from the transatlantic partners, the US and, and Canada. Uh, from their experiences, how innovations in living situations can promote community-driven inclusion. And certainly one of my obsessions, if I might say so, how to foster the positive narratives on migration and inclusion. I'm certainly curious about the innovative public communication strategies that can be developed in that field. And I live with the hope that we can catch today and tomorrow a few good ideas to improve that. I thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. Um, we finished a little bit earlier uh, than expected. So I would just wanted to say that uh, in a short while at uh, 1445, at least that's Belgian time, CE time. Um, so in about eight minutes or so, um, we'll hand over to, to Liam Patuzzi, our colleague at MPI Europe, who will be moderating the next session with the title, The COVID-19 Crisis, Is it a Make or Break Moment for Social Innovation for Inclusion? So in the meantime, I would like to thank my uh, fellow panelists for jointly uh, um, welcoming you all and introducing you to the conference and kicking it off. And I would invite all participants to um, grab a glass of water or tea or coffee um, and then um, return uh, to your computers to join us for the next session. Thank you very much all. <laughs>